Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Jesse Salem, and together we're studying Shira Shirim. Shira Shirim, Perek Aleph. We'll jump right in. Shira Shirim Asher Lishlomo. Right? The song of songs that belong to Shlomo. Right? We hear the alliteration of Shira Shirim Asher Lishlomo, as we pointed out. It's also not just the alliteration letter Shin, it's also the alliteration of the Shin Resh, right? Shira Shirim Asher. And Parenthetically, Asher, this is the only time the word Asher actually comes up in the Megillah. We may ask, you know, it's more appropriate, as it appears later, as to say, Shirashim Sheli Shlomo, right? As it appears also in uh, many other poems, right? Shalamayek Oteya later on Shirashim, or in Shirat Devorah we also have Ad Shakamti Devorah, Shakamti and Beisrael. So, why would we choose to use the word Asher? It could very well be that the word Asher was chosen to be used here, only to further um, develop that alliteration of the Shinresh in the opening phrase um, and introduction of the Megillah. So it's the Song of Songs, right? Shira Shirim, like Havel Havalim. Shalom himself composed a thousand and five songs, as mentioned in Menachim Aleph Perekeh, right? Vahi Shiro Hamishava Aleph. And as we mentioned, what does it mean to attribute this to Shalom? Right? In the introduction, we mentioned Shalom is either the author, Right, which is the most common perush, or as the Balakita explains, he's the one spoken of. But Shlomo is a fitting character, a king who wrote many songs. He he's someone who had many relationships, many wives. It, it's 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 fitting for him to be um, the one who wrote this uh, this Megillah. Ibn Ezra points out in his introduction that Shlomo is mentioned in the beginning and the end of Shira Shirim. Right, we close off with at the end Kerem Hayali Shlomo. As we opened here, at the end we say, Kerem Hayali Shlomo. This song reminds us of a song in Shaya, Perekhe, right? Ashira Nali Didi, Shira Dodi Lecharmo, and then Kerem Hayali Didi, Bekerem Ben Shaman. And we end off with, Kerem Adonai Tzvaot, Bet Israel Vish Yehuda Neta Shashuav. So, where God sings the song of the Dod to his vineyard over there in Sefer Yeshaya, and it opens with the same opening, Kerem Ayadi Shlomo, just instead of Shlomo, it, it belongs to Yedidi. And we know God called Shlomo at his birth, Yedidiyah. There Yeshayahu tells us exactly who is who in the Mashal, that God took care of his nation. He planted the vineyard. He took care of it. He hoped it would yield grapes. And instead, it yielded lousy grapes. So already Yeshayahu is explaining the meaning behind the Mashal. Right, this can be the earliest reference to Shira Shirim being an allegory for God and Bnei Israel. And based off this, Hazal say that every Shilomo is Kodesh. It's God's vineyard. And now continuing on to the first song in Shira Shirim. So over the next three Pesukim, we'll see it's two stanzas. Both stanzas end off with the word Ahevucha. It's a song of the past. It's, it's the woman she, she wants and longs for the days of her, um, of her youthful love. So let's just read those Pesukim. Yishakeni mineshikot piyu, ki tovim dodecha miyayin. Lereach shemanecha tovim, shemen turak shemecha al ken alamot ahevucha. Moshcheni acharecha, narutza, heviani hamelech adarav, nagila v'nismecha bach, nazkira dodecha miyayin, meshadim ahevucha. Right, that's the first song. The song of her youthful love. He would kiss me from the kisses of his mouth, since your love, right, the closeness between man and woman, is better than wine. So we start with a kiss? Like, who? What? What's going on? How, how do we start with this? And, and maybe it's because the point to where a relationship started is very hard to actually put a finger to. There's something deep about starting a song of love from the middle of the relationship. And in the Nimshal too, 
A religious experience starts from the middle, like we're already in the middle of life, and, and that's when our religious experience develops. He's already within the religious experience when he asks how to operate within it. On a national level, Rashi explains it as Matan Torah, God's close to ne- connection to Bnei Israel, where there was already a relationship between God and Bnei Israel. Now, important to note, back to the literal meaning on a Pshat level, the change from third person to second person, right? Why this jump from third person, Yishakeni, he will kiss me, to second person, Dodecha, your love. So, Yoni Grossman suggests that even though we open in the most intimate setting, text carefully distances the woman from her beloved by using a third person. Alternatively, we can use this to explain the plot of the Megillah. It can very well be that she's just not talking to him. Ibn Ezra explains that she's speaking to herself. The Megillah opens with her dreaming of herself being with him, even though he's not there. It's as if she's speaking to her beloved, but she's really dreaming to speak with him. Pasuk bet, pasuk gimal, l'reach shemanecha tovim, shemen turak shemecha alken alamot ahevucha. Your great perfumes give off fragrance, oil when your name is thrown. That is why girls love you. So what does it mean, shemen turak shemecha? So many commentators explain it to be the name of an oil, right? Shemen turak is the name of the oil itself. And that reminds me, she's saying, of your name. His name is greater than the finest oils, right? This reminds, reminds us of another statement of Shalom, right? Tov shem shemen tov. Others explain Turak is literally pouring. Not only is my love for you greater than wine, even your scent is like an aroma when perfumes are spilled from one bottle to another. But these Pirushim don't jive so well with the Tamim, as the main pause is after Shemen, right? Shemen, pause, Turak Shemecha. So therefore, Amos Hacham offers a unique Pirush based on the Tamim, that when her beloved's name is spilled, not the oil, meaning people mention his name, Right, figuratively, it's being spilled. She already remembers the smell of the perfume. And we end off with Alken Alamot Aivucha, right, the end of the first stanza. Therefore, the girls love you. So, so what is, why is she mentioning other girls loving him? She loves him, but seemingly she wouldn't dare say that outright, so she pins it on the other girls. Or, or maybe it's just a literally, literal meaning, um, you know, a mention of his popularity amongst the girls. Either way, the first time love is mentioned in the Megillah, right? the first time Shorish Ahava is mentioned in the Megillah, it's in regards to many other women. And just to point out the play on the words, right? Shemanecha, Shemen, Shemecha. If you didn't pick it up while we were reading, it's like it's almost a, a literary technique of the Lashon of Lashon. Now to the second stanza um, that closes off with also Ahevucha. Draw me towards you and will run. The king brought me into his room. I will be happy and rejoice in you. I will mention your love more than wine. They were right to love you. When you pull me in and draw me towards you, I'll run after you. She recognizes that she's distanced and she wants to be drawn closer. And why is she speaking in plural? And and why once again does she revert back to the third person? So once again we jump we jump to third person, right? With the use of Hamelech as just you know as in Pasuk, you know, Bet we we finish off with Pew. Most simply as we explained before, you know, that she's dreaming of seeing him and, and, and she wants to be with him, but she's not there. So even when she speaks to him in second person, it's only her innermost thoughts. He's not there. 
Otherwise, we can explain um, from a literary standpoint, in the most intimate places, the girl jumps back to third person, right? By the kiss in the king's personal room. So it's also balancing out the intimacy. If we explain based on the metaphor, you know, how long can someone stand in front of God in second person? Like, like there. So sometimes even within the nimshal, we need to take a step back in addressing God as third person. This closes the first song in Shirashirim. Right? The woman expressed her deep longing to be in the most intimate scenarios and places with her beloved. Before we get to the metaphor, it's important to mention that the Tanakh speaks openly in these terms. Right? Every culture has love and, and the Torah sanctifies love. Am Yisrael has to have this expression and it's ultimately used as the metaphor of expressing our ultimate love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, as we said, it's a song of the distant past. The woman wants and longs for the days of a youthful love. Metaphorically, Rashi explains that it's the Galut. And B'nai says longing for God's intimacy. Right? Amos Chacham and Dat Mikra expounds and explains that B'nai Israel longed to once again hear God's word mouth to mouth. Right? Pe'el pe'adabirbo with Moshe Rabbeinu. That type of nevuah. That's what we want. We want God's revelation on that level. Just as we once experienced Right, with Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai, right, referencing the Yishakeni Minashikot Piu, right, kisses from the beloved's mouth. And Bnei Yisrael recognize that the closeness to God and that His Shekhinah outdoes all pleasures in this world, right, referencing God's, um, the king's inner chamber, right, where God dwells His Shekhinah amongst us. So that closes off the first, um, the first Shira, the first Shir in, in Shira Shirim. And from here, we'll go on uh, in the next uh, next class to the uh, the next song, uh, where we have our first dialogue between the woman and her beloved.